Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of May 24, 2015. The Guide Dog Users of Kentucky hosted free eye exams for guide dogs in the Louisville area this past Friday, May 22. The exams were provided by the American College of Veterinary Ophthalmologists, and we thank Dr. Tolar of Louisville for once again helping to make this annual event a great success. More than 10 dogs received free exams at United Crescent Hill Ministries. Deb Lewis, president of GDUKY, did her usual great job organizing the event. As most of you know, Deb Lewis is also president of the Kentucky Council of the Blind, and she was sure busy this past week. Deb represented KCB Wednesday morning, May 20, at the quarterly meeting of the Blind Services Coalition of Kentucky. Later that same day, Allison Flanagan, executive director of the Kentucky Office for the Blind, held an advocacy meeting with representatives of Kentucky's consumer organizations of the blind, and Deb Lewis and I participated in that meeting on behalf of KCB, thanks to Patty Cox for assisting with transportation. The May issue of the KCB News, the newsletter from the Kentucky Council of the Blind, is now in the mail and available by email. If you haven't received a copy and you'd like one, contact us by phone at 502-895-4598 or by email at kcb at igloo, com. The newsletter is available in large print on audio CD playable on any CD player and by email attachment in a rich text format. The Kentucky E-Racers, KCB's team in this year's ACB Memorial Walk, is out of the starting gate and running along the rail. We've already raised $550, and we hope all of you will help us cross the finish line in grand style. Half the money we raise goes to ACB, and the other half stays right here in Kentucky and supports the work of KCB and its chapters. Join our team for $25 and receive your own webpage where you can help us raise lots of money. You can also make donations of any amount on our team page. Visit the eRacers team page at acb.donorpages.com slash ACB Memorial Walk 2015 slash eRacers, E-R-A-C-E-R-S, or give us a phone call and we'll help sign you up. Thanks for your support. Brian Charlson is well known around ACB circles. He heads up assistive technology training at the Carroll Center in Boston. He's a strong advocate on many issues affecting blind people everywhere. He's been active in ACB for many years, serving on committees and the ACB Board of Directors, and he's the co-host, along with Rick Morin, of the Ying Yang Show on ACB Radio Interactive. But Brian also loves to cook. Last year, he visited with us here on Soundprints and explained how he, as a blind person, prepares delicious meals on his gas grill. This week, Brian is back on page 2 and 3 with how-tos and tips and tricks for cooking on a charcoal grill successfully without vision. 
Joel Snyder, director of ACB's Audio Description Project, visits with us on page 4. He shares details about several upcoming events at the ACB Dallas Convention related to audio description. Be sure to listen in because it's quite possible that some of these events might be broadcast as part of the convention coverage on ACB Radio. And on page 5 is the Sound Prince calendar. Page 2. Last summer we talked with Brian Charlson about grilling on a gas grill. And we had a wonderful time talking about ways that blind and visually impaired people can be successful at grilling and Brian gave us a lot of tips. Brian's with us again to now talk about charcoal grilling as well as maybe a few cooking stories thrown in. Welcome Brian. Hi there. It's exciting to have summer finally arrive. I'm from New England. Oh yes. <laughs> we suffered uh, here in the Boston area the worst snow on record. Yes. Uh, we actually broke our record. We did a hundred and 13 inches of snow. Oh, my gosh. You make our little 25 inches sound pretty bad. I'm sure it felt big to you at the time. But I'll tell you, oh. when I shoveled my walks here, the uh, snowdrifts on either side of the sidewalk was about seven feet. I just can't imagine snow that deep. Well, you know, before I, mean, I moved out here from Oregon, let me tell you, we measured snow where I lived in Oregon in inches per year, yes. not feet per year. Yeah. So it, it does take a little getting used to. Yeah. And one of the last things to poke its head up out of the snow drifts around here were the grills that people left out, oh. not realizing it may be quite a while before they saw them again. My goodness. So so did they come through the storm all right? Ah, they did okay. I My grills I cover with uh, real heavy canvas covers mm -hmm. because I don't have a place to bring them in. They're big enough mm -hmm. that, you know, I'd have to have another... I'd have to have a garage, which I don't have, mm -hmm. to uh, stow them away. Mm -hmm. So they just go into their tarps and... Uh, oh, they stay out all winter. They stay out, stay out all winter, yep. yeah. Yeah, Well, Brian, you, um, you, you evidently do a lot of cooking outside. And I will tell you, I, I have not braved doing... Char I love charcoal. Food. You know, I love I love things done on the charcoal grill. I mean, how could you not like that wonderful charcoal taste? But I have just not been brave enough to try it. So, um, share with us how how you obviously you must do this quite often. I've done it in a, so many different ways over the years, from the little hibachi out on the uh, balcony of my apartment back when I was a college student. There, we're talking, you know. Uh, a small open-topped brazier about, mm -hmm. oh, I don't know, maybe it would hold a gallon's worth of charcoal in it. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple of uh, devices that stuck up on the backside of the grill. And if you can imagine a grill pan, like you would uh, put, say, under the broiler, in miniature, mm -hmm. uh, with a handle at one end, and mm -hmm. you would put whatever meat you wanted on that after you got the charcoals going, mm -hmm. and you'd make it closer or farther away from the coals by bracing it in this bracket on the back edge and it oh. would just kind of hang there mm -hmm. from the back lip of this grill pan. Mm -hmm. So if you can do that, it's it's kind of like sweat equity. You do it the cheap way. Mm -hmm. And then as time goes on, you get a little fancier and a little fancier, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. through the Weber kettle type grills. 
that kind of look like an R2-D2 robot. You know, they're a sphere, uh, and you put the charcoal down in the bottom half, and, and once you've got your food on there, you put the lid on to speed up the cooking process. You can even, in fact, some of the first smoking I ever did was on one of those. Mm -hmm. Just push the coals to the side, leaving the center empty, and keep your food on the center of the grill mm -hmm. so you could do indirect grilling. But I'll tell you, the first thing, if, when you really want to do this and do it right, is the choice, one, of the grill and two, of the charcoal. Okay, but I think the first thing that we need to talk about, well, in conjunction with it, is is the is, is safety, you know? Have you ever built a fire? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those kind of things. And you know, I see, I think that's what scares me. I can just see myself. I can just see myself charcoaling the side of the house or something, you know? <laughs> so I had one. We were talking about cooking experiences as well. When I first learned to use my big, what they call a horizontal smoker, it has a what amounts to a charcoal grill off to one side of a giant barrel laying on its side okay. with a chimney at the far end. Mm -hmm. So the, the heat gets pulled across the surface in the big drum side of things so that it can cook things slow and low, or definitely indirect heat. And this one time I was out there, and I always lay a, a garden hose near where I'm grilling when I'm doing outdoors. Mm -hmm. You know, there's leaves coming down, and you, no matter how much you rake or whatever, you know, there's flammables around you. Okay. So I always keep this hose out there mm -hmm. um, and a bucket of water so that if any embers go where I don't intend them to go, I have something to douse them with. Mm -hmm. But in all honesty, I've only had one problem one time, and it was when I was the least prepared for it. Um, always the, happens that way. Yeah, coal popped out of... Uh, what was supposed to be a vent, but apparently was a smallish chunk of charcoal that t tipped out and caught uh, a couple of leaves on fire right mm. next to the grill. Mm. So your instant reaction to that is to stomp it out. And that would have been just fine had I not been wearing those um, flip-flops no. <laughs> at the time. Oh. There was a nasty smell when it was all said and done. I it was my flip-flops. Oh, my. Okay. So, but for safety reasons, my my rule of thumb is uh, it's always safest if you get everything put together, prepared before you get started. Mm -hmm. uh, this past uh, spring, we had a uh, here at the Bay State Council Blind, we do a one day spring conference and then a fall uh, general conference for the organization. You know where we oh. do the business and that kind of stuff. Okay. So one of the breakout sessions that we do because that one day is all members teaching members all things right. that they might know better than 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 others might mm -hmm. and we did a event on the use of a fire extinguisher have you ever used one no and i will tell you it's that something you think well of course uh, almost everybody yeah. has never used a fire extinguisher right so i got our local home depot to donate to us uh 20 small kitchen fire extinguishers and a couple examples of the big ones you might find in a public building you know behind the um, glass plate that you have to break into to, to fetch it out that kind of stuff okay so that our members could have a chance to actually use one so first we got to hear all about what the limits were you know where do you point the nozzle um, 
how many times is it useful for, what kind of fires can it put out, what kind kind it can't. And then one at a time we went out with uh, the Perkins School for the Blind. Um, I guess you would call him the in-house fire guy. Okay. And uh, he showed us how to point and uh, press the nozzle to put out a fire. It was really uh, a great session out of we do a you know post session tell us what you liked and didn't like and that got 100 across the board okay, everybody it did. participated mm, so who who ran it the guy from home depot or, or nope, guy, so the guy depot from perkins gave us the stuff the guy from perkins okay. the fire guy was the one who read us things off the canisters mm-hmm. you know there are fire extinguishers that put out uh, fires that are you know wood and fabric and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and other kinds of fire extinguishers that are for uh, more chemically generated fire, like electric fires, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kitchen ones are kind of an all-purpose. They're not perfect for either, but they'll do for both Okay. Uh, kind of thing. So now my kitchens, upstairs and downstairs, both have fire extinguishers in them that if life is good, I'll never have to use. Right. But they're in a place where I can reach them without them being on the opposite side of a fire from me. Yeah. Uh, and I can I can put out a small fire. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the number one thing I know to do is if a fire happens, to call 911. That's my first line of defense. Right. Not go and see if the hose is attached and turn the water <laughs> on and yeah. while things are going up, but uh, yeah. get out of harm's way and call 911. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to it, it's prevention is the number one. Right. And so when it comes to charcoal grilling the prevention is to make sure your area where your grill is is clean of things that might catch fire Mm -hmm. Um, and using the right kind of equipment for me this means um, I use a thing called a chimney Mm -hmm. a chimney looks like a piece of stove pipe about 14 16 inches tall with a handle on the side like you would have a pitcher uh, to, to pour liquid out of but that handle is heat proof. So you okay. can hold it by the handle mm-hmm. while the stovepipe part is quite hot. Okay. In that stovepipe, about three fourths of the way down its length, there's a grill. Uh, I mean, a wire mesh kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And what you do is you pour your charcoal in the top two thirds, just like filling a pitcher. You take uh, newspaper and you crumple it up, no more than two sheets, and you stuff it in that bottom third up underneath. And cut into the sides about an inch up from the bottom. There are holes all the way around. And I take one of those butane matches. Um, And again, a butane match kind of looks like a, uh, a miniature rifle. And I mean very miniature, maybe 12 inches long altogether. Okay. Uh, and you put your thumb down on the safety trigger on top of it, and then you pull the trigger like you would if you were pulling the trigger of a rifle, and a little jet of two inches of, of gas flame comes out the other end. So you light the paper underneath the chimney with that. And, of course, fire wants to go up and pulls the draft up and causes that fire to go up inside the charcoal and light it on fire. Now, did you ever hear me say lighter fluid? No. No. Because I like the taste of charcoal. I do not like the taste of lighter fluid. Right. And lighter fluid, I quite honestly think, is kind of a, a dangerous kind of substance yes. to use mm-hmm. 
when just having the right equipment can save you from that. Now, when I think of a charcoal grill, I think of one where I guess you put the charcoal in the bottom. Yes, that's right. Okay. So before I light what I've got, I've taken the grill off the top of my charcoal grill mm-hmm. to open up the bottom. Mm-hmm. I typically put two layers of thick aluminum foil down there. In the bottom. Primarily in the bottom. Yeah. It both reflects the heat up, but it makes cleanup oh. a lot easier. Yes, okay. Uh, when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. And so I put in, oh, two-thirds the amount of charcoal I think I'm going to be using. Mm-hmm. Just lay it down there at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, light up my chimney. And when the, I let the chimney burn for about oh, four or five minutes tops. Okay. And then just like pouring water out of a pitcher, you pour oh. those live coals on top of the not live coals that are in the bottom of your grill. Oh. Uh, then so you're, you're not pour. lighting those coals in the grill at no, all? Not at all. Not at all. Oh, okay. So you pour these lit ones on top of the ones that are already in there. I see. And then you put your grilled grill that you're going to cook on back mm-hmm. on again. Mm-hmm. Now, there's two reasons why this really works nice for, for people. One is because you put lit coals on top of not lit coals, it means you never have to, if you have to cook something longer than you expected, have to lift that grill out to get room to put more charcoal in there. Mm-hmm. You've always put in enough charcoal for the whole burn. Okay. No problem that way. Mm-hmm. So, but when you get that going, if you're going to grill burgers, you want you, know, you grill burgers and you grill hot dogs on direct heat. So that's you need that spread out. So I always keep a pair of long-handled spring-loaded tongs with me mm-hmm. that I can use to kind of push things around or literally to pick up, you know, a little coal from over here and put it over there. Mm-hmm. So when I'm doing indirect grilling, let's say I'm going to do something like a whole chicken on the grill. You know, you put that on direct heat, you're going to have it, you know, Unevenly Burn, cooked. Yeah, burnt on the outside and not cooked on the inside. Exactly. Uh-huh. So what I do is mm-hmm. I set that fire the way I described. Don't put the grill on quite yet. Mm-hmm. Then once I feel things are at the right temperature by holding my hand over it and how long I can count mm-hmm. uh, when it's at the level where the grill will go. I and that's the same thing it. that you did in, in testing the heat exactly. when you were um, cooking on the, on the gas grill. Absolutely. Same okay. thing. Mm-hmm. So once those coals, if I'm going to cook a thick piece of meat instead of just a burger or a hot dog or, or you know, chicken wings or something, okay. if I'm going to cook something like a, like a, oh, I don't know, a pork tenderloin or a, a whole chicken, that kind of thing, after I get those coals going in there with no grill over the top, I'll use those tongs to push the coals out of uh, either all the way to one side or more likely all the way, half of them all the way to the left, half of them all the way to the right, Mm -hmm. so that the center is open. Mm -hmm. And I'll take one of those uh, aluminum pans. I'm I'm talking about the rectangular ones, not like Mm -hmm. the pie ones, but Mm -hmm. still made out of that crinkled aluminum Uh stuff. Yeah. And drop the throwaway ones. The throwaway. Uh Put that in the center. Uh huh. Okay. uh, And that's going to act as my drip pan again looking to make life as simple for me as possible for right. the cleanup that right. follows this whole business. Right. Then I put the grill back on, and when I want direct heat, which is for, you know, uh, getting the bird started on the outside, rolling it around, uh, you know, keeping it on its back, then flipping it to its side, then to its 
its breast side and its other side, just enough to toast it on the outside, kind of sear it. Mm -hmm. Then I'll move it over to that center part. So it's hot on the left, hot on the right, but not hot directly underneath. Okay. And so you start it then over, directly over the coals. Right. And then okay. I shift it. To and then just move it to the, the middle. And so. then it, it can, then most grills these days are the kind with a pull-down lid to them. Okay. Or the pop-on lid like a, like a Weber, like I was mentioning before. Uh -huh. So you and just you shut that? And that over it, and you end up baking. Aha. Uh -huh. So it's, it's like an oven. In the center. It's like an oven that uh -huh. way. Okay. Now, again, depending on how much attention I feel like giving what I'm cooking, um, if I'm doing this indirect heat method, then I will stick a instant read thermometer in it. I use one called the iGrill that communicates by Bluetooth to my iPhone. Oh. And I can, as long as I stay within 30 to 50 feet of the grill, um, I can always know what that internal temperature of the bird is. Wow. And every piece okay. of meat has its best temperature side of things that you're looking for. Okay, now hold on. Let me ask you. So the iGrill... Um, that's not especially a talking thermometer. That's just a, a regular thermometer, but that Bluetooth. Right. It's a thermometer that, that has a, a wire that extends mm -hmm. out of the end of it. Mm -hmm. So you droop that wire outside. It plugs into a little device that sits on the side of your grill okay. out of the heat. Mm -hmm. And it acts as a transmitter to your iPhone by Bluetooth. Mm -hmm. And then you run the little app that comes free with the device on there. And it will tell you the temperature that uh, is on the instant read thermometer. And and that is that's not a product that's especially adapted for nope, the blind. No, nope, it is not. It's a product that anyone could use, but Absolutely. it works for you because of the accessibility of the iPhone. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Now, I've had uh, I have had three different versions of it over the years, uh -huh. and I'm talking about over the years, like the past four years or so. Right. Uh, first one had two probes to it. And that worked fine for me uh, general times. However, the application that it came with mm, was a little bit iffy. Uh, among other things, instead of being able to set a temperature and an alarm, uh, you set it for, oh, I'm cooking chicken, therefore it's this temperature. I'm oh, okay. cooking pork, therefore mm -hmm. it's that temperature. Mm -hmm. You only could ch choose what kind of meat you were using. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of a medium rare kind of guy. Oh, and, uh, no, I like mine a little more cooked. <laughs> The temperatures they want you to cook or have wanted you to cook pork to mm -hmm. makes pork fairly dry to me. Mm -hmm. um, nowadays, the F, uh, what do they call it? The FDA that sets those rules say, well, if you've kept it cold and you know that it's been kept cold the entire time, that you could have it a little more medium rare. And that wouldn't allow me to do that. Plus, I, like I said, I do a lot of smoking. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to know what the temperature is now, okay. not when it reaches temperature, mm -hmm. but any time I ask. And the mm -hmm. old software wouldn't do that. Yeah. So the new does, and now the new one also is capable of four probes. Now, why would you need four probes? <laughs> well, remember I use the same thing for my smoker. Yes. So with my smoker, I have ribs on the smoker. I've got brisket on the smoker. Oh. I've got pork butt on the smoker. More than one thing at a time. Different kinds of meat, different uh -huh. kinds of thickness all cooking at the same time, and I put that fourth one down the chimney so I can tell the temperature inside the smoker, not just inside the meat. So okay. four works really well when I'm, you know, when I'm working 
full out on something like sure. we do on our uh, summer benefit barbecue. Yeah, if you're preparing a big banquet right. for a lot of but people. But for the other, I just use the one probe, hook it up mm-hmm. there, and, and the like. Uh, you know, when you're baking, what you're, what everybody tells you is the fewer times you open it up to look, the better it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So that's, this gives me the opportunity yeah. to keep it closed. Yeah, that's true with an oven, too, so sure. it works that's the same exactly way. exactly right. The Kentucky Council of the Blind and its chapters provide information, advocacy, activities, and telephone support for people who are blind or visually impaired. Join our email list, visit our website, and of course, listen to Soundprints each and every week. To learn more, call us at 502-895-4598, drop us an email at kcb at igloo.com, or visit our website at kentucky-acb.org. Page three. So nonetheless, this is the kind of stuff that I do for grilling. There are two or three little tricks of the trade, so to speak. Uh, We mentioned some of those for the gas grill, and it still holds true for a charcoal grill if you are uh, cooking things like hamburgers and hot dogs. To do it independently, it's all about how you lay the meat out on the grill. Mm -hmm. Um, The other night I made um, beef kebabs on the grill. Okay. So for this, I use um, uh, bamboo skewers that right. soak in water for about 30 minutes before I use them so they don't burn. Mm-hmm. And then I skewer alternating chunks of uh, sweet onion, bell pepper, mushrooms, and either beef, pork, or chicken. And I've marinated the uh, meat part of it, and then I've used the same thing I used for the marinade to kind of uh, temporarily, because you're really not marinating vegetables that much. Mm-hmm. but to uh, kind of spread on the vegetables that are there as well. And again, I lay these left to right. I shouldn't say left to right. The, the longer end of the stick that I left without anything on it mm-hmm. is toward me on the grill. Okay. With the tips farther away from me on the grill. All right. And I'll lay them side by side by side, mm-hmm. um, leaving one part of the grill totally empty at one end, like a third of the grill or a fourth of the grill. Mm-hmm. So I will take those skewers after the right amount of time for me, which is about three or four minutes on a side, mm. and I will pick them up and turn them over and to the left. So I'll take the leftmost one, pick oh. it up, turn it over, mm-hmm. move it farther to the left, mm-hmm. and do that with each stick as I pick it up, turn it over, move it over, pick it up, turn it over, move it over so that I'm keeping track of what I've touched and what I haven't touched. Mm-hmm. And again, this is all only about two inches back from the front edge of my rectangular grill when I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. And again, once they're turned over, I put down that lid because the goal with grilling is hot and fast. Mm-hmm. The goal of barbecue is slow and low. So it really makes a difference in how you're going to do those kind of things and that, that whole business of the direct or indirect. If it's a thick cut of meat, you're going to be doing things indirect. Now you're doing the uh, kebabs, you're doing those over the direct heat. Yes, Because they're small. Because they're small. Right. uh, And, you know, you're trying to uh, cook the meat and the vegetables all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that you've cut the vegetables the same size as the meat and that the meat, um, that things aren't so tight together that heat can't get between them. Mm-hmm. There's a tendency to try to really overload a skewer with too many things too close together. Okay. So you spread them apart. Leave a little bit of space leave between them. Leave a little gap them. between okay. those. 
Okay. You know, you can say to yourself, well, if I have the onion up against the beef, won't it give some of the flavor of the onion to the beef? No, not at that point. You're just trying to make sure that the onions, the peppers, all of those things are cooked at the, in the same length of time as the meat. Okay. So don't make the meat too big because mm-hmm. uh, it will it cook won't slower. Cook. Yeah. Yep. yeah, exactly. Okay. So this, this works out really great. And again, I always have a hot mitts with me by the grill. Um, it's not so much that I have them on my hands all the time because I'm using my hands to gauge how the heat is doing mm-hmm. by you know, holding it palm down high off the grill and then bringing it down and seeing how close I can get it without it being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have them by the grill. I have one of my little fire extinguishers beside the grill. I'd rather sacrifice dinner to the fire extinguisher <laughs> than, than any part of my house. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, I always have where I'm going to put it when it's all said and done. Uh-huh. I have to admit that um, I hate doing dishes. Yeah, I really do don't we dishes. all? So... Um, <laughs> I use these disposable aluminum pans uh-huh. uh, quite a bit, mm-hmm. uh, and also once I, if I, and again, trying to keep things safe so that I'm not putting things back into the same thing that raw stuff was in before. Exactly, yes. I always have to uh, use one thing to transport the raw material to the grill mm-hmm. and something else to, to transport the cooked. the cooked thing away. Yes, and that's very important to remember. Sanitation. Hugely, yes. hugely important. Right. Especially and those little pans, oh, yeah. th- those those disposable aluminum pans are very inexpensive, and um, I think they're probably available at most everybody's grocery store. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. so you can just grab them anytime you're at the grocery. And I think sometimes people figure, oh, well, I don't really want to throw this away. This is, this is um, you know, I can use this again, but really, um, it's it's just a good idea just to toss it and get a new one. Right. Well, again, because the way they're formed are all of these creases. Right. And no matter how much you want to think that you've totally cleaned it. That's correct. You probably haven't. So mm-hmm. mine, I, I, you know, like, like everybody else, I'm sure, I'd rather get as much wear and tear out of things as I can. So that thing that I might have used food in last time because of the drip pan. Mm-hmm next mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So I get double duty out of them right. in that fashion. Right. That's why they call them disposable. Right. That's right. That's the whole idea. Very so, good. yep. So, and okay. I also, I have to say that I always use heavy-duty aluminum foil. Yes, the thin, thinner stuff is cheaper. Right. But the heavy-duty is it's, way better. It really better. does the job. Yes. It's much less likely to tear where you don't want it to. Right. It's better at holding in the heat when you have something cooked to put it back into one of those back into one of these aluminum pans mm-hmm. and put a piece of aluminum foil on it, the food will continue to cook. That's another thing you have to remember whenever you're cooking is it's not whether or not it's done at the time you take it off. That's what happens afterwards. Raise in temperature right. two or three degrees, mm-hmm. which doesn't sound like much, but that's mm-hmm. the difference between rare and medium rare, between medium rare and, that's right. and medium and between medium and burnt. The you same know. thing is true when you're baking cookies or cakes or anything like that. The food continues to cook for a few seconds up to, you know, a minute or two after you take it, take it off of the heat or out of the oven or whatever. So, um, you know, that's, that's, so that's also true with a grill. Brian, I have a question for you about your foil. Um, sometimes it's the little things that that make a, the difference in the quality of the product. Do you prefer the 
12 inch foil you know foil comes in 12 inch and 18 inch rolls yeah. um, you know thin and and heavy regular and heavy duty and and do you have a preference because I don't have room to have a bit of this and a bit of that mm -hmm. usually I usually go to the big box store mm -hmm. whatever it might be mm -hmm. and I'm down in my um, what I call the man cave part of my house, which is the basement. Mm -hmm. Got a guest room and, and where I do the yin-yang show mm -hmm. and my kitchen. And I'm wandering into my kitchen downstairs right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm reaching up and I'm going to say, which do I have here? I'm pretty sure I have the longer mm -hmm. roll, the 18-inch mm -hmm. roll. Well, I, I like to use the 18-inch roll when I'm doing things like baking a turkey and stuff like that because, yeah, you can wrap. You can overwrap, you know, regular foil, 12-inch, a couple times and so on. But, you know, if you're using the heavy-duty and the 18-inch, it just, A, like you said, the heavy-duty doesn't rip as easily, and, B, you can just get, it just works around more odd shapes and uh, so does. on. And, and you find that you're using far less foil in the long run. So. And two weeks ago I was doing a... Uh, beef brisket. I decided mm -hmm. this year I was going to master that piece of meat. Mm -hmm. It had always bested me in the past. Okay. I either uh, overcooked it, which is easy to do because you're supposed to cook it long, mm -hmm. a long period of time, mm -hmm. or um, I cooked it unevenly. Mm -hmm. So this time, uh, when I used my smoker, I used the thick aluminum foil. Mm -hmm. I rolled out one piece that, of course, was 18 inches wide, and about 30 inches long, mm -hmm. and then I put another piece of foil at right angles to that. Mm -hmm. And then after I had uh, smoked my brisket for about three hours to get a, you know, that smoky flavor and kind of the crust on the outside of it, mm -hmm. laid that brisket in the center of that uh, X formation, pulled up the edges, poured in uh, three-quarters of a cup of beef stock, mm -hmm. and then folded everything up and you know, brought the left and right side up mm -hmm. and then pleated it over and over again. Right. And one inch kind of pleats till yeah. that laid down. Like flat, a pocket. Make a pocket. Right? And then I mm -hmm. did the other side the same way. Mm -hmm. And during that process, molding it with my palms uh, to make, you know, what amounted to a foil pan. Mm -hmm. um, and it made it so that when I wanted to open it up to see how it was doing, because I had folded it up with the pleats, I could unpleat it mm -hmm. and reach in there and then refold it. Thin foil does not refold well. No. No, no. Stuff, you can unfold it and refold it, mm -hmm. and it does just fine that way. Right, right. Well, well worth the little extra price. Right. Uh, and, it, you know, there's no reason you, you know, there are times thin won't do, but there's no time that thin is uh, thick is too much. Right. That's correct. Well, Brian, we are about out of time. This has been phenomenal. I really enjoyed this, and I know there's probably tons and tons of other things we can talk about that relate to this subject. This has been really, I've, I have found this very informative. I think I, I'm, I'm going to, I might try to do this. And I hope, Give it a go. Uh, Give it a go. Uh, and know, again, is there anything that tastes oh, as nice? Yes. As, I mean, although I use gas because it's quick. I can yeah. come home and cook on the grill mm -hmm. on a weeknight mm -hmm. when it's weekend cooking 
It's charcoal. Charcoal. Eating at your house must be a great experience every day. <laughs> as long as my friends are willing to put up with my experiments. Oh. Because every once in a while, there's a colossal failure in it. Oh, really? My friends over here about three weeks ago, I wanted to try to make sausage from scratch. Oh, no. And we went through cutting up the meat, putting it through my mix master grinder attachment that my sister got me for Christmas, mm -hmm. seasoned it all up, uh, soaked the casings, put them on the stuffing tube, oh, and no. made seven kielbasa. Uh -huh. And they looked gorgeous. Uh-oh. Kim bought me an electric smoker for Christmas. Uh -huh. And I got the, the hang attachment to go in it okay. that would allow you to hang sausages. Okay. So I put my sausages in there. Now, this takes all day to do what I just described. Okay. So I'm putting them into the smoker at 11 o'clock at night. Okay. And uh, go to bed with the understanding I'm going to have to get up in three or four hours to look at those to okay. see if they're doing okay. Uh -huh. So I get up in the middle of the night. They're not quite done. They need another hour. I fall asleep, and I wake up in five hours. Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> they were the prettiest, driest kielbasa you can possibly imagine. Oh, I imagine. Oh, dear. It was heartbreaking. That was uh, about well. 12 pounds of ground pork mm. that when you... Brian, that was an expensive nap. nap. That really it was. <laughs> it was an expensive oops. Yes. To say the least. But my family wasn't waiting for it for dinner, so I got away with it this time. <laughs> well, have anyway, you done it again? Ha have you, uh, have you tried it this again? I'm scheduled to do that. I've got a pork butt here mm -hmm. in the freezer that I'm going to do it uh, Saturday. Okay. Him has me uh, going to a play Saturday afternoon. Uh -huh. But Saturday morning, it's all mine, mm -hmm. and I'm going to make me some kielbasa. Uh-huh. And it'll cook while you're at the play? Well, no, I'm going oh. to chill it. Oh. I'm never going to leave it unattended or when I'm okay. sleeping again. Okay. <laughs> Even though it says, you know, you can cook it slow. Even though you don't anticipate going to sleep for five hours at the no. play. Exactly. But, you know, you could run into a traffic jam on the way home or something. So exactly. that's probably a wise decision. Well, Brian, thank you so much. We've really enjoyed this and would love to have you do some other cooking things on Soundprints. People really enjoyed that segment last year, and I, I know they're going to like this one, too. So we hope we can have you back sometime. Well, knowing that you have a large listenership down in Kentucky especially, <laughs> I've been doing a bit of research on ham and bacon um, and cooking with pork belly. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, goodness. Well, okay. only only a certain portion of this state would be interested. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm going to make uh, my own bacon. Okay. Make my own ham. Oh, my gosh. Always wanted to do it, and now I'm going to. Anyway, okay. thank you right. for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you Everybody, so much. Everybody, enjoy cooking. It's a wonderful pastime, and it helps your family at the same time. Page four. I'm speaking with Joel Snyder, who is the director of ACB's Audio Description Project, and he's going to be telling us about uh, some things that are coming up here really quickly. Uh, so, Joel, we're welcome. We're glad you're here with us on Soundprints, and tell us what's going on. Well, you bet. Thank you, Carla. It's always a pleasure to, to join you on Soundprints. 
you and your vast audience out there. <laughs> Getting uh, vaster all the time. Vaster, yes. Is that a word? I don't know. Um, we just created it. <laughs> no, it's great uh, to, to be able to speak with the ACB members and others uh, via uh, your good graces and, and the Sound Prince program. This year in Dallas, the Audio Description Project, uh, I should say, will host a, uh, a first, really, kind of a mini-conference on audio description. Your listeners may know that we do a full-scale uh, audio description project conference every year, and, and last year we had a fantastic one with um, uh, visitors from all over the world uh, covering all kinds of topics, a two-day conference. We'll do that again in 2016 in Minneapolis. But this year in Dallas, we didn't want to let two years go by without some focus for ACB members on audio description. So Tuesday, July 7th is the date to circle on calendars. In the afternoon, we're going to have uh, really three events that uh, everybody is welcome to. Um, on um, the first event at 2.45 on Tuesday, July 7th. don't have a room just yet, but um, the event will be uh, audio description, the latest and greatest, with uh, updates on everything you'd want to know regarding description on media, uh, television, film, uh, DVDs, and such. Uh, there's all kinds of things involved. There's uh, uh, updates to the Tele Telecommunications Act, uh, Department of Justice hearings, uh, all kinds of, of things. And our, our chair of the Audio Description Project Committee, Dan Spoon, will moderate the panel of featuring such luminaries as yours truly, <laughs> uh, but uh, more importantly, Carl Richardson, who's the coordinator of our, uh, the chair of our subcommittee on media, and I'm sure everybody knows him. He's from Boston. He's the 88 coordinator for the state of Massachusetts. I should say the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Correct. Um, and Eric Bridges, uh, our good friend from the, the staff of ACB, uh, the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, will be on that panel. We're also hoping that Tom Lidkowski will be with us, who, of course, is the Vice President for Accessibility at Comcast. So all you folks who have Comcast will certainly want to attend and uh, uh, pin Tom down on, on the latest advancements. Uh, their box, of course, their talking box makes um, television choices uh, far more accessible, and he'll be able to talk about that. Mm -hmm. So that's all from 2.45 to 4.15 p.m. Tuesday, July 7th. Audio description, the latest and greatest. And then um, just following that at 4.30 until 5.45 p.m., audio description, make it work for you. And um, the biggest thing we're going to cover there is um, our website, the Audio Description Project website, and some tips on how to navigate it. Ah, as well. uh, yeah, that'll uh, be good. Know, yeah, yes. I think so. Mm -hmm. it, it is. There's so many resources. There's so much information. Yes. Sometimes it can be overwhelming. So and it's a very popular page, too. It is a very popular uh, website, mm -hmm. no question. And uh, mm -hmm. we'll also talk about uh, our Audio Description Project listserv, uh, which is growing all the time. Mm -hmm. Folks interested in audio description from all around the world, actually. Yeah. And um, lots of resources, too, that we'll share on how you can advocate for audio description in your community. Um, and, of course, I, I will be part of that panel again. Um, but Fred Brack, 
who is our webmaster, will will um, do the lion's share of the, the discussion on the website. He'll probably be joining us by remote mm-hmm. from his base in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But Susan Glass, who's just wonderful, he, she's been on our audio description project uh, committee for quite some time now. She's a consumer of description, a freelance writer, and and associate editor of The Blind Californian. Um, she's great, a former professor of English in the California state system. She'll join us. Margie Donovan is chair, also a Californian from the Sacramento area. She's um, uh, an audio description consumer, of course, and also the chair of our subcommittee on performing arts um, and uh, museums. So we'll have that perspective. And then uh, JoLynn Bailey-Page, who is um, um, an arts management consultant and audio describer, right here in the D.C. area. She was recently the describer for our uh, experiment at Arena Stage, having description available at every single performance of Fiddler on the Roof. Oh. And she she could talk about that a little bit. She I guess. Yeah. She was the describer, and it was just a great innovation, I think, and mm-hmm. very successful. Uh, we quadrupled attendance uh, among um, description consumers to uh, a performance a per- or to a production at Arena Stage. And then following those two sessions, um, uh, we will have a, a separate event. Um, actually, that may, I think, you know, I'm not sure of the timing here, but I do know we're going to have a, a mixer um, right on that Tuesday, July 7th in the afternoon um, in the executive director's uh, suite or, uh, or perhaps on site in the room we use for the afternoon sessions. Mm-hmm. And this will be a chance to just informally chat with Everybody uh, interested in description. Tom Lukowski is expected to join us again from from Comcast, and um, we're going to bundle that with the other two sessions for a, a low, low, reduced fee of only twenty dollars to to um, come to all to the two sessions and the mixer, and uh, should be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. should be, and that's a great price too. I think so. Yeah, because. Uh, you know, it, it's the costs involved in getting the room ready. Oh, absolutely. You, you know it so well because you did such a great job. Well, just the, just uh, you know, your AV, um, That's right. bringing your speaker in no uh, by remote. People think that, oh, well, that's there's no cost to that, but there's a lot of cost to oh, that. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, no And, uh, you know, those kinds of things. And also, Joel, are you doing the movie again this year? Oh, yeah, you bet. When is the movie? The movie Thursday is- night. Thursday night, mm-hmm. as we have done um, every year, and the movie is uh, on my desk, but it's the Academy Award winner for Best uh, Film, uh, okay. and that will be Birdman. There it is. Okay. Birdman, uh, mm-hmm. which was won Best Film Academy Award with Michael Keane and uh, Edward Norton, Emma Stone, Naomi Watts, um, all kinds of luminaries. It's a great film, uh, really quite quite fun, unconventional. It's it's a, it has a, a an important message, but it's it's hilarious. It's it's okay. a great comedy. So, Birdman on Thursday night. That would be July 9th. Okay, so three great events yeah. on Tuesday, yep, um, right. including the two informational events which just sound fabulous and then the uh the the mixer and then on thursday the movie so registration opened we're recording this on friday may 22 and registration opened at midnight 
this right. this uh, overnight. And so uh, go right on over to the registration form at www.acb.org. Follow the pre-registration link and sign up for these great events. As well as the movie. I think that's on the pre-registration. Right. right. Oh, yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. All of the events will yeah. be on the registration. Form, and there's so. some great tours, by the way, just to put in a plug for some of the tours that Janet uh, and, and others have arranged. Uh, I know that uh, there'll be a rodeo on the last night. And you're going to audio describe it, right? And it will be audio. i got to tell you, Joel, <laughs> I, I, I never was much have been much interested in going to a rodeo <laughs> and janet puts out this description of the rodeo including that you were going to audio describe oh, it and yeah. i said you know i'm going to have to go on that tour and uh, but to do that i've got to go out and buy myself a cowboy hat so. <laughs> <laughs> i think that that you will be there in style I but like I, you know i don't like hats <laughs> but how could you go to a rodeo without a cowboy hat or cowboy boots? And exactly. I'm not wearing the boots, so uh -oh. <laughs> so it's got to be the hat. That's a great idea. I'm going to have yeah. to think about that for myself, yeah. too. Yeah. But well, uh, it will be described, and there's some yeah. other great tours to, mm -hmm. uh, to uh, yeah. uh, Dallas is such a great city. For it is. Culture. Yes, it is. Um, yep. So there will be a well, lot of the Meadows Museum in mm -hmm. particular and the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, I have right. in hand, and Right. Getting description going right. there too. Well, we're just about out of time. Okay. So uh, we appreciate you being with us so much, and look forward to seeing you in Dallas. And by the way, for everyone, um, we will also have copies of Joel's book oh, at sure. the Mini Mall, so you can stop by and pick that up too. And uh, we'll and be also available um, in accessible format yes. on the website. Yes. Yes. So we'll be um, putting out more information about that as time gets closer. And Joel. We'll Good. just see you in Dallas. Thanks so much, Carla. Find books and more in accessible media with APH's free-of-charge Louis database. HTTP colon slash slash L-O-U-I-S dot A-P-H dot org. Locate accessible educational materials from nearly 200 different agencies. APH products and textbooks can also be located using Louis. New extended searching now available with free Louis Plus. Visit soon http colon slash slash l-o-u-i-s dot a-p-h dot org many book materials help braille users jot notes quickly pull a-p-h's mini book braille binder out of your pocket and begin to write on the mini book slate in just seconds materials are sold separately so that you can choose the combination that's right for you call the american printing house for the blind toll free 800-223-1839 or visit www.aph.org. Page 5. The Sound Prints Calendar. Unless otherwise indicated, you can join conference calls listed on this calendar by dialing 605-475-6006 and entering code 294444. Most in-person activities sponsored by the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind are held at the United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 South State Street in Louisville. Help GLCB with planning its activities by signing up in advance. Call 502-895-4598 to register for GLCB events. Bluegrass Council of the Blind activities are held at their office in Lexington at 1093 South Broadway, Suite 1230. 
Register for BCB events and activities by calling 859-259-1834. Bluegrass Council holds assistive technology demos and training each week on Friday morning at their office. Don't just drop in, however. Call ahead to make an appointment. On May 27th, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will hold its VIP meeting from noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB office. Lunch will be followed by a program on health and wellness. Also on May 27 is the 8th grade graduation with the Middle School and High School Award Ceremony at the Kentucky School for the Blind at 1 p.m. And at 6.30 p.m. that evening, the seniors will graduate. The speaker for the commencement is Mark Feach, president of the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. The activities are at the Kentucky School for the Blind, 1867 Frankfurt Avenue in Louisville. Call the school at 502-897-1583 for more information. On May 29 is the next GLCB Friday, and the dinner that evening will be fried chicken. It's $5 per person, education and technology, and games and crafts at their usual times. On May 30 is the Eastern Kentucky Christian Council of the Blind Picnic, 4 to 7 p.m. at the Perry County Park in Hazard. Contact Joey Couch at 606-216-8033 or Frank Campbell at 606-693-9360 for more information. June activities include on June 2, the KSB SBDM Council meeting is at 4 p.m., at the School for the Blind. On June 3, the KCB PR Membership Committee will meet at 8 p.m. on the conference line. On June 5, there will be no GLCB Friday activities because on June 5 and 6, the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Association will hold its 70th Annual Conference and Reunion at the Ramada Inn, 1041 Zorn Avenue in Louisville. Call 897-1472 for more information or make room reservations at the Ramada by calling 502-897-5101. On June 6, there will be an art walk for the visually impaired in Covington. It's a guided, hands-on experience of outdoor art around the Covington area. The bus tour begins and ends at the Covington Public Library at 502 Scott Boulevard. The bus departs promptly at 2 p.m. The tour is followed by light refreshments and discussion at the library. Register by leaving a voicemail with your name and phone number at 859-547-5565, made possible by the Center for Great Neighborhoods with generous support from the Kresge Foundation. June 7 is the GLCB Committee Meeting Night. All meetings are on the conference line. The Advocacy Committee meets at 7 p.m., Education and Technology at 8, and Activities at 9. On June 8, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will hold its community outing from 5 to 6.30 p.m. Call BCB for more information. On June 9, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will hold its board meeting from 9 to 10.30 a.m. at the BCB office. Also on June 9, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, Savvy, We'll have a lunch meeting from 12 to 2.30 p.m. at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. Call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 for more information. 
On June 11, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will hold a conference call meeting at 7 p.m. at 605-475-4700, enter code 155-619. Also on June 11, the ACB Lions will hold a conference call meeting at 9 p.m. at 712-432-3900, enter code 796096. On June 12 is the next GLCB Friday from 3.30 to 10 with the usual schedule and a meeting of the KCB Next Generation at 7.30 p.m. also at United Crescent Hill Ministries. On June 13, the GLCB Board will meet at 11 a.m. on the conference line. June 15 will be the KCB Board meeting also on the conference line at 8 p.m. On June 19 is the next GLCB Friday. June 20 and July 18 are Braille for the Sighted Workshops for Young People, 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at the American Printing House for the Blind. Young people can learn Braille basics and practice writing on a Braille slate and a Braille writer. Advanced students can learn about Braille contractions, whole word signs, and more. Attend one or both sessions. Best for ages 8 to 14. These are free but require registration. Call 502-899-2213 for more information and to sign up. On June 20, GLCB is planning a dine-out from 3.30 to 6 p.m. at Rockies in southern Indiana. Call us at 895-4598 for information and to make reservations. On June 21, the KSB alumni will meet at 8 p.m. on the conference line. And on June 22 is the next membership meeting of the Guide Dog Users of Kentucky at 7 p.m. on the conference line. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at com. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.